1: This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Okay, let's move on. I want to talk about a case that really took off this week. Apparently, this Twitter account had been up there for a while. Uh, One Calgary Twitter personality, Crack Max, I think uh, deserves a lot of credit for calling attention to this. Uh, And others on Twitter started saying, you know, what is going on here? This certainly looks as though these are pictures being taken in downtown Calgary. Calgary police became aware, and things have happened really quickly. Story today, a 42-year-old man has been charged with the Canada Creep Twitter account. Hundreds of thousands of images police say they've seized that date back as far as 2012. Jeffrey Williamson charged with voyeurism, distributing voyeuristic material. Uh, So, again, as I said, things uh, got serious pretty quickly. But it does raise the question that as creepy as a lot of this stuff is, because it's basically, uh, it seems, the individual following people around in downtown Calgary without their knowledge, taking photos and videos of them and posting them on social media. Now, some of them clearly seem to cross a line. Some of these videos are are what's known as upskirt videos. So that gets into a different realm, I think, of the law. We're talking about so-called intimate images. But what are privacy expectations? If you're out in public, I guess people can take pictures of you. Do you have any recourse? So there's some interesting uh, legal gray area there. Maybe I want to explore this in a bit more detail. Uh, Dr. Emily Laila joins us, associate professor of the Faculty of Law, University of Calgary. Emily, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program.
0: Um, hi, Rob. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, we appreciate you joining us. What do you make so far of what you've seen and read about this this Twitter account and the police investigation into it?
0: Uh. I think it's quite fascinating and partly because it raises an enduring problem really in the area of privacy law and that's this idea of whether you have a right uh, to privacy when you're out in
1: public. And do you? <laughs> well
0: I mean it's a good question. The answer is for the most part you don't have a right to privacy when you're out in public. So I, this is kind of an interesting case because of the fact that you know when it comes to the upskirting we can uh, point to a specific criminal code provision that we can charge him with, which was the voyeurism provision that they're using. And, mm-hmm. and potentially, if you're dealing with children, he might be charged with um, making or distributing child pornography. Um, but if we take it out of the criminal context and ask the question, well, you know, could any of these women actually sue for invasion of privacy? The answer is most likely no. And, and there's a lot of reasons at the moment. I, d- I don't think necessarily the law is good. This is something that we can talk about a bit more. Um, but at the moment in Canada, we're really in just the fledgling stages of developing um, the tort of privacy or the ability to be able to sue for a privacy invasion. And so that's just at all, right? So the right. few cases that have happened have been, um, you know, a bank employee looking up, information about people on bank records or uh the more recent case was um to do with revenge pornography right so this murkier area about the idea that you're out and about in public and that you have somehow somehow a right to privacy is a lot more difficult and at the moment there's not really any cases that are saying that you have that particular right unless maybe you're a child
1: well, this issue came up recently because um, there was a case, I believe it was Toronto, but it involved uh, a citizen filming the police or videotaping the police. And it's come up a few times where police have told citizens, you know, you got to stop recording. You're not allowed to do that. You must hand over your phone, et cetera, when really they can't do that. And, and they should know that they can't do that, that citizens do have the right to film police. And so, I mean, the issue arises of, well... Are there privacy issues around police officers doing their job? But as it stands now, as an example, if a police officer is making an arrest in a public area, citizens are, are free to photograph or video that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so then the argument might be, oh, well, you know, this is just a photo and it happened to um show someone from behind now obviously with this guy you're looking at someone who's taken thousands of photos or recordings over a period of time but if you're just saying I you know there's this one image of me and it was posted online they could say well this just you know they're out in public right and that's the answer in the US so if you were down in the US they'd say the second that you step out your door you lose that right to privacy um, but it's different in Europe. And so Canada, as we're kind of developing our laws on this right now, we can sort of choose the path that we want to take. And in Europe, the view is, you know, even when you're out in public, you have this sort of zone of interaction with the public that's essentially private. But the focus is usually about situations that are say, potentially humiliating or degrading, for example. Um, but it even looks at, you know, sharing of really, uh, of essentially private information. I mean, one of the most famous cases out of the UK was Naomi Campbell coming out of a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, yeah. and a journalist took a photo of her, and that was held to be an invasion of privacy, because she was essentially doing something private, coming out of that space, even though she was standing on a public street.
1: Right. Well, and I mean, with with this kind of a Twitter account where it's meant, to, it's basically people who are stalking and, and gawking at women that, you know, I mean, as, as the law stands, if someone's just standing around downtown, staring at women, even kind of following women to look at them, uh, that's probably not illegal either.
0: Yes, and so... The problem is how we develop this law, because I think that we have this area that needs to be addressed, which is you basically have a situation where, you know, largely you say women are being targeted here, um, and something that's deeply unnerving and humiliating for the women, and uh, and yet it really is just them out walking about in public. Um, But it's not so easy to unpick to figure out where precisely the legal wrong would be, because you could end up capturing all sorts of other conduct. And so if you think about it, um, someone happens to be picked up in a particular photo, or let me give you another example in kids' context. Um, I know that there have been problems at Calgary high schools where, say, a Twitter account is created, and uh, it's basically a data dump and they dump all sorts of information about kids at that high school, and then the account disappears. And so some of this might be really invasive in either information or photos about the kids as they're going about their lives. So how do we figure out what the trigger is that you could actually sue for a privacy invasion there? Um, I think that the baseline for privacy advocates is to say, when you go out in the world, you don't really expect to be looked at any more than casually by the people around you. Um, But what would be a reasonable expectation of privacy in that context is more difficult and so you mentioned the police officers and that's a great example because in a sense there's a role of public accountability here right you know they're engaging in an important public role Um, the um, people out in the streets might say well we're We're allowed to photograph what we see going on in front of us. Equally, sometimes those videos really make things seem, you know, different than they are, right? It's very easy for videos and photos to make, say, a situation appear more violent than it necessarily is. I mean, we don't know, right? And so there's potentially uh, a private aspect to the police and what they're doing and trying to carry on their work. And there's no easy answers for this.
1: Right. Because what what seems to be going on with the Canada creep account, it, it seems invasive. It seems sinister. Uh, but if someone had a Twitter account that was, you know, Calgarians with cool hats, and I'm walking around downtown and I see someone with a nice hat, I take their picture, here's someone with a nice hat, right? I mean, is that really, is that invasive? Is, is that something that we would be worried about? Well,
0: and, and that's it, is that everyone's always worried about the slippery slope here. And they'd say, well, at what point is it... Um, very clear targeted humiliation versus a situation where someone's just uncomfortable with it and feels that they have been shown in a light that they don't like. Let's say that that person with the, the hat on is walking next to some woman, for example, that's not their wife. And then it ends up revealing that they've, say, had an affair. Right? So a lot can come out of even this, the seemingly
1: most innocent photo. So we, we do need to figure this out then, don't we?
0: We do, and I think that one of the things that we need to do is to uh, dig a lot deeper, really, about what privacy would mean in a public context. And I think that we can take cues from, from Europe in that way. Um, I think that the categorical approach that's come out of the U.S. isn't comfortable and useful, as we're seeing in this particular case, because I think all of our immediate reactions are, look, there's a clear targeted instance here where this person is posting photographs that are about intimate body parts in a way that's invasive and sexualizing, right? Um, But we need to then take that next step of articulating how we can create legal principles without creating an overly sensorial society. Um, And I think that there's a lot of legal scholars working in that area, including me, um, but we need a lot more movement um, in the courts. We need a lot more movement... With Parliament perhaps looking at codifying laws so that we can start actually saying, well, what does privacy mean here? So we have a ways to go, but we're starting down that track.
1: Right. I mean, it, it reminds you of when Google was going around doing all their, their street view, all their mapping. And most of the time when you see if that happens to capture somebody in their images, they've got those those faces blurred out. I mean, is that a case of airing on the side of trouble? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, it, it sort of speaks to those same issues. I mean, at the same time, if I'm out at a busy public gathering with some friends, we post a selfie of ourselves. There's some people in the background. I don't need to blur their faces out. I don't need to find them and ask permission to to post on Facebook.
0: Yeah, and that's the problem is that all of this is deeply personal. There might be people who'd say, but you should ask for my permission. I'm not on Facebook. I don't want to know there's all these photos of me posted on Facebook that I haven't, you know, given my consent or permission to post. So then a lot of the ways that the law tries to focus it, at least, you know, some of the folks might be, well, is this a way that's focused on humiliating a person, for example.
1: Yeah. Well, and as you say, I mean, so we've got the voyeurism laws. We've got new laws that that deal with so-called revenge porn. Is it possible then that we can kind of craft laws around these more specific circumstances and address the problem that way?
0: I think that that would be a bad idea, but that's partly because... We can't predict all the instances as we go forward. I think that there's some clear instances where we needed something specific. So sharing of intimate images, absolutely. We needed to create a criminal code provision for that. I think Alberta has made the right move in trying to codify um, our own legislation on that so that you can actually sue more clearly for revenge pornography. But for this more public aspect of it, if we try to identify all the different scenarios, all that would end up happening is that it would, you know, it would be out of date rather quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we need to do is go back and look at, you know, more closely, you know, and it's almost a theoretical question about what does privacy actually mean? And then once you start carving that out, we can go from there and say, well, okay, in a public context, what does that mean? And we haven't done enough of that work in law in Canada. So it's cases like this show that it's high time that we look closer at it.
1: Well, I wonder how much this debate's going to be driven by this particular case. If, well, if the Crown can secure a conviction here, maybe people will say, okay, well, it turns out we do have laws to deal with this stuff. Uh, if the case collapses, uh, you know, it might go the other way. Well, people say, okay, something's got to change. We obviously need more than what we have.
0: Well, I think it might be about all the women that aren't covered by this particular charge, because the charge is narrowly going after the worst um the worst offenders here, right. like the worst videos, right? So it's looking at the upskirting. But all for all the other women out there that um, have been humiliated by this particular experience or just feel degraded in some way, there isn't necessarily that sense of resolution with the criminal charge because it doesn't address their particular loss. And when it comes to those harms, we, there isn't a lot available on the law. So I don't think that they're going to get that satisfaction out of whatever happens with this, um, with this man with the criminal charges.
1: All right. Fascinating stuff. Emily, I really appreciate the insight. Uh, thanks so much. Make some time for us here.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: All right. That is uh, Emily Laidlaw, a professor, associate professor, faculty of law, University of Calgary. Uh, so some thoughts on where these, you know, these holes exist in the legislation, but still, hopefully there's enough to go after this guy. But as it turns out, from what I've been seeing, there are a lot of other similar Twitter accounts that exist in other parts of Canada. Uh, there was one in Vancouver that uh, Twitter has shut down, and that's another side of it, too. Uh, that social media, like Twitter, like Facebook, like Instagram, uh, they got to be policing this too. And I realize it's difficult to do, but once other people call it to their attention, then they got to move quickly. And it seems that that's what uh, what's happened this week. So these Twitter accounts are suspended, but police still have access uh, to a lot of these images, so that they can build a criminal case. Four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. We are back with more right after this.